things. Right, it's just gone seven. Let's just share some scripture. I want us to at least uh, work through Jonah chapter 2 again as we continue our studies in this amazing little book. And uh, we come to our ninth study. I thought I've entitled it uh, Jonah's Lessons. So we're going back to school a little tonight. I don't apologize for that. Uh, as we think about Jonah's lessons. Jonah chapter 2, we'll read 1 through 9. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. O oh Lord, my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. This is God's word. Let's pray a blessing. Father, in these moments, as we continue our sojourn in the book of Jonah, we are conscious again of our need for you, by your Spirit, to take these ancient words, ancient, ancient words, but, oh, make them relevant, pertinent for us tonight. We thank you, Father, that the lessons Jonah learned are lessons that uh, in many ways we need to learn also. There's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon once reflected. And so we pray for your help and ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that by your Spirit, your Word might come alive to us tonight and penetrate our hearts and have that effect that you desire in our lives. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If we understand the text correctly, whilst Jonah learned his lessons well, he was forced to learn those lessons the hard way. I wonder, friends, this evening, if you have had to learn lessons the hard way. I certainly have. The greatest university in the world, my friends, is neither Oxford nor Cambridge, neither Harvard nor Yale. The greatest university in the world is not even the University of Hard Knocks, because many people pass through this university without graduating. They learn nothing. No, my friends, the greatest university in the world is the University of the Holy Ghost. For all who walk the corridors of this sacred place 
graduate. Hallelujah. Granted, not everyone with first class honors, but all who walk the corridors of the University of the Holy Spirit graduate. This is why Paul could write to the Philippian church. A church not like this church. A church not like all other churches with a congregation full of both weak and strong Christians. And say in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> he who began a good work. If you were in Christ this evening, I'm looking at those within whom the Holy Spirit has begun a good work. A good work. Why? Because it's God's work. By His grace and mercy. Yes, we've made a step of faith. We've embraced Christ as our own. Hallelujah. And we've been saved by God's grace through faith. Therefore, the Holy Spirit has begun a good work in us. Therefore, we have signed up to the university of the Holy Spirit. And that work will be carried out to completion. When? Until the day of Christ Jesus. In the University of the Holy Spirit, we have two options. One way is to learn directly from the Word of God. The other is to learn the hard way. Jonah, remember, learned the hard way through discipline in the belly of the fish. Brethren, if we don't listen, hearken, and respond positively to the Word of God, then it might be that God sends a fish to swallow us up. And we'll learn the hard way. God forbid, perhaps. But sometimes that's the only way. Because we are not listening. People can sit in churches week after week after week after week and still not learn the lessons that the Holy Spirit is endeavoring to communicate. And so God sends a big fish to swallow us up. Not literally, of course. Some of you are sat there worrying about this fish. Don't worry, you might drive home tonight, no fish is going to come down the road after you, not literally. But metaphorically speaking, a fish might come your way. My friends, if you will not learn by the Word of God, if you will not heed to God's Word by the Spirit's prompting, then the Holy Spirit will send a big fish. And you will learn those divine lessons the hard way, just as Jonah was forced to do. It is a helpful exercise. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get some more time somewhere along the way. I think that's a little fast. Okay, ten minutes. Ten minutes. It's a helpful exercise to outline the lessons that Jonah learned. At least three. Okay? Firstly, Jonah learned... That those who live in disobedience do not magnify God's mercy. Rather, they dishonor it. Those who live in disobedience do not magnify God's mercy. Rather, they dishonor it. Now you might say, well, the more I... I'm in need of God's mercy, the more I, I, I magnify God's mercy. That's a lie. That's like saying, I'll go on sinning so that God's grace might abound more upon my life because I need that grace because of my extra sin. You see what I'm saying? 
Jonah reflects in verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. The authorized version puts it, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Though Jonah was the beneficiary of the grace of God, the free grace of God, somehow, someway, he convinced himself that it did not matter how he lived. It did. God said to, to, to Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no thanks, God. And he fled from God's presence and he decided to express himself his own way. Later, however, verses 2 through 3, remember, he, we, he, we read of his anguished heart cry to God from there in the depths of the fish's belly. In my distress, I call to the Lord. You hurled me into the deep, he says. You hurled me into the very heart of the seas, he says. And the current swirled about me. And he cried out to God. I'm reminded here of the prodigal son. You remember the story in Luke's Gospel 15 verse 17. It says the prodigal son came to his senses. He didn't though, did he? Until he was eating the food that the pigs were eating in the sty. And here we have Jonah. He came to his senses. He didn't though, did he? Until he was there consumed by the fish. Why we wait so long, I don't know. Maybe we have it in our mind's eye that once we're saved, we can please ourselves how we live. <laughs> Matt, that is utter, utter rubbish. I wonder what it will take to bring us to our senses. <laughs> Jonah's sin, my friends, simply wasn't worth it. Look at his own testimony. How he pleaded to God in the midst of his distress. And God met with him. My friends, those who live in disobedience, do not magnify God's mercy. Oh no. Rather you dishonor God's mercy. If God is coming and speaking into your heart and life these days and you are ignoring Him or you are deflecting that word or you are avoiding that word somehow, some way, you are dishonoring God's mercy. You have tasted for yourselves. You have found truly God is good. You have tasted the wonders of a salvation that is rich and free. Why won't you listen? Why won't you heed? Why won't you obey? You think of all the people on planet earth who would obey would be the recipients of God's grace. But for whatever reason, we like Jonah find ourselves going in the opposite direction and we dishonor God's mercy. We dishonor God's grace. Friends, do not extol we do not extol God's mercy by, by tempting Him uh, or by an unholy or undisciplined life. These uh, are lying vanities. Rather, we magnify God's mercy by faithfulness. That's a lesson Jonah learned the hard way. We magnify, we honor the mercy of God in our lives by obedience and by faithfulness. Secondly, I was, I was going to be quick. 
The second lesson that Jonah learned was that God wants our gratitude. Even though we're not saved by gratitude. Jonah learned this lesson well. He says in verse 9, But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Hallelujah. God wants our gratitude. But not just our words. It's nice on a Sunday evening, isn't it, to, to lift up our voices in praise and worship. But notice Jonah wasn't referring to a simple gratitude of the tongue, a simple verbal expression. He says, I will make good my gratitude by honoring that which I have vowed, the promises I have made to you. My friends, God wants us to show gratitude, not merely by our words, not merely by our songs, though He delights in these things, of course, if they're expressed from genuine hearts of thanksgiving, but He wants us to express our gratitude by the way that we live. Arguably, that's more important. We might sound very beautiful here on a Sunday evening. This verbal sacrifice of praise. It does not mean to say that that sacrifice of praise raises, rises up into heaven and brings a blessing to the, to the Godhead. God wants our gratitude expressed by the way that we live on a Monday morning through to Saturday night. And Jonah learned this lesson. He understood that God wanted his gratitude not simply by what he uttered, but by what he did. I have vowed, he says. I have made promises to you. And Father, if you give me the chance, I'm going to make good on those promises. The fascinating study. We haven't the time for it now. I'll have to scratch it from my notes. Another occasion perhaps. But the doctrine of gratitude and the doctrine of sanctification go so hand in hand. For me, it's almost like the same thing. I can't divide the two. You scholars amongst you, you try. Doctrine of gratitude, doctrine of sanctification. <laughs> for me, it's the same thing. Sanctification does not save us. In fact, sanctification does not even contribute to our justification. But God desires our sanctification. It's necessary. And God desires our gratitude. It is necessary. Jonah learned this lesson the hard way. But he learned it, didn't he? I will offer my, my thanksgiving, he says. I will offer a song of thanksgiving. I will sacrifice to you. But more than just mere, mere words, I will make good on my promises. Some of us here have made promises to God. Not necessarily today or this last year or so, but we've made promises to God. We haven't, we haven't made good on those promises. Have we? Now we promise to be more spiritual. We promise to read the Bible more. We promise to pray more. We promise to get to the prayer meeting more often. We promise to do this, that, and the other before God. Often in the height of the, 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 the moment. Often during an emotive time of, of Christian worship. It's time to make good on those promises. God wants our gratitude expressed not just verbally, but 
by deed. Very quickly, the third lesson here, Jonah tells us that he'd learned was that salvation was out of his hands. <laughs> his salvation was out of his hands. Verse 9, salvation, he says, comes from the Lord. Well, if you read the text, of course, it's obvious, isn't it? It's obvious. Jonah's situation from a human perspective was absolutely desperate. Jonah's salvation from a human point of view was totally out of his hands. He was entirely dependent upon the Lord. Now this reality, my friends, can become something of a rude awakening to those of us who prefer to be in control. I've got a confession to make. I'm something of a control freak. I like to be in control. But my God says, my son, <laughs> salvation is of the Lord. You have to yield. You have to lose control. But I don't like losing control, Lord. I like to be in control. I am one of the worst passengers in the world. Just ask my wife. In January chapter January 2011, I returned from a mission trip to Somalia, suffering from bilateral iritis. Consequently, I was unable to drive for three months. Three months! My wife had to drive me from A to B. It nearly ended in divorce, I tell you. Because I like to be in control. I hate the idea of being a passenger. I never, never ride pillion on a motorcycle. I like to be in control. But my friends, God is drawing alongside me. And he's cutting across this fleshly instinct. He says, my child, salvation is of the Lord. You have to let go. You have to surrender control. Not of your motorcycle. Oh, that's not a good idea. Not of your motor car. You must surrender control of your life. We, some of us, find that awfully difficult, don't we? Don't we? Surrender control of your life. And friends, if we don't surrender control of our lives, sometimes God in His grace and mercy causes a situation in our lives like He did in Jonah. He put Jonah in a place where he couldn't do anything but trust in God. Because he, was, he lost control, didn't he? He was thrown over the side of a boat. He lost control. Sometimes God is so loving and so gracious and so merciful that because we're wrestling back control from God, God says, okay, my son, my daughter, I'm going to put you in a circumstance where you're out of control. That's not very nice. It can be a quite lonely place, certainly if you're like me. But sometimes it's necessary so God gets our attention and we yield to His will and His purpose. Salvation is of the Lord. And if our salvation is of the Lord, not by anything that we can do, but by His grace and mercy, then so is our ongoing walk with Him. It is all of the Lord. 
So my friends, if you, like me, are trying to manipulate a kind of Romans 8.28 experience, <laughs> it's promised there for me, isn't it, that all things work together for good. If they're not working together for good, as it seems to you and I at the moment, let's manipulate things. <laughs> no, no, no. We must surrender control to Jesus. Jonah learned this lesson. Salvation is out of his hands. My friends, please, please, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian or you're not sure, stop trying. Please. I beg you with every fiber of my being, stop trying to be a Christian. You cannot. Just trust in the completed work of, the cross, of, of Christ on the cross. Just trust. And if you're a Christian here tonight and you're wrestling back control, I plead with you with every fiber of my being, you must yield. You must yield to Jesus. You must give your life for Him. That's uncomfortable for many of us, control freaks. But it's an absolute prerequisite for spiritual blessing. Oh yes. You want blessing? Of course you do. You want to be useful in the hands of an almighty God unto the salvation of souls? Of course you do. You want to be useful in the building of God's kingdom here in Strathland and Pontypridd? Of course you do. So what's God's prerequisite? Let go. Let go. Let go. But, but, but Lord, who's going to work on, on the deacon's agenda? Let go. But, 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 but Lord, who's going to prepare the sermon for next Sunday? Let go. But, but, but Lord, who's going, to, who's going to drive the church forward with this, this five-year vision plan? Let go. But, 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 but Lord, who's going to... And he's looking down from heaven. He said, my child, if you don't let go, my church here in Koipenman Community Church, if you don't let go, as the word of God is spoken by the Spirit, I'm going to send the fish your way. Let go, Koipenman Community Church. Let go. And surrender to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. For salvation is of the Lord. Your salvation and mine. And the salvation of all those in Trachlan. Many of whom we love dearly with every part of our lives. We must let go. Are we there? That place of letting go. Absolute surrender. My friend. If you need Christ tonight, just let go. <laughs> Stop trying. It's a pointless exercise. Just let go. And if you're a Christian and you're struggling, you're wrestling, you've, you've regained control of your spiritual steering wheel, oh, my friend, let go. Let go. Jonah learned lessons the hard way. I had to learn these lessons and others like it the hard way also. Where are we, my friends? If we're not responding to the word of God, be assured God will send a fish our way. 
because he's made a promise to you and I that we will graduate from the school of the Holy Spirit, from the university of the Holy Ghost. And if we ain't listening to the word of God, he's going to send a fish. Your choice. Which is it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, searching scripture. We thank you, Lord, for the lessons that Jonah learned. I, I guess whilst in the belly of the fish, he, he wished he'd learned them earlier. But the grace of God, hallelujah. Our God, our God is rich in mercy, says Paul to the Ephesians. Rich in mercy. And Father, you're extending that mercy here again tonight. The word of God has been preached. The Holy Spirit is speaking into our hearts. Father, please, in the name of Jesus, give us the courage to let go. And let God save us and sanctify us and use us for his kingdom's sake. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.